0: Hi, welcome to What the Health, a different kind of podcast from the original Prevention Network at EHE Health. It's Joy Altamari. In each episode, I'm gonna be your host and I'm gonna welcome leaders from diverse fields to explore why women have such frustrating experiences with healthcare. And what can we really do to make real change? It's the only podcast that explores the full scope of these issues, and I hope in depth and from all angles, amplifying the voices of women. Whose interactions with the system has led them to exclaim, what the hell? So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, it's Joy Altamari here, host of What the Health. And I'm excited today because I have one of my favorite people, Casey Golden. She's founder and CEO of Lux Block, who is just an expert on everything female, male, but specifically retail. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking a little bit about pink tax. What is it? And is it costing you extra? Of course it is, right? That's what we know. So first, let's have Casey introduce herself and then we'll jump right in. Hi, Casey.
1: Hi, thank you, Joy. I'm thrilled to be here and talk about something that isn't talked about too often. We get a month and it's got up <laughs> a year, right? But nothing seems to happen with it. So I'm the founder of LuxLock, and we're a shopping software technology that is really bringing that high-touch sales and customer service to online shopping and just really helping consumers go through that purchasing process and learn more about the brands that they buy from.
0: I love it. I think, first of all, the fact that it's a software platform and it's not just a shopping marketplace, as some people would term, like... Mm It's a technology that is embedded in this process that caters to the actual, not only buyer, but I also love the retailer. I love the thing that you posted, was it yesterday or today, that features one of your retailers and what they're talking about and how it's not just what they're selling, but the benefit it's having on the culture that they come from. I think that's responsible. Retail shopping, that's responsible. Ownership, creativity. So, I love Lux Lock, and I think everybody should go there. We'll talk later a little bit about how people can find you because I think people, more people need to know. But what we're here today to talk about really is this fact that, like you said, a lot of people don't know that pink tax exists. I think If I think about my mom, who generationally was just brought up that you pay more for this and you use the pink version of this, that she doesn't understand that it's costing her 15 16% more than it typically should, even when it's the same product. So today we're going to jump a little bit into, like you said, we get one month. So we're trying to extend Women's <laughs> History Month and everything we talk about. So we talk about inequities and in salary and opportunity. We want to extend this discussion because there's some inequities that are happening. It's not a balanced play field when it comes to how even goods are sold to women versus men, the same things that we use. So first of all, I wanted to give a little bit of background because you pointed it out. Not a lot of people know what it is. Researchers and and gender inequality often point out what's known as the pink tax, which is the price discrepancy that calls out products and services marketed to women that cost more than identical or nearly identical versions marketed to men. Essentially, it's saying one product made the same, maybe different coverings, one pink, one blue. It costs more for women to purchase it than men. And about six years ago, this issue got a lot of attention because the New York City Department of Consumer Affairs found that instances of gendered pricing when examining 794 products were sold in the city for consumers of all ages. So while we've been noticing this phenomenon since the 90s, nothing was really done on the p- policy level and, of course, New York City until about six years ago. So we're going to talk about really, is it an actual tax first? Let's just make sure people understand. And then there's this kind of discrepancy around tampon tax, and we'll talk about it in a second. But You are an expert in retail. You understand how it works. And I think you're passionate about this topic. How in your mind, Casey, does this impact women in general? Like, how is this happening, first of all? And then how is it impacting women?
1: It really was this great opportunity for consumer brands to productize the same product, make additional money just by slapping a different color on the packaging. I mean, I focus in the luxury sector, so I'm all about charging as much as the market can can bear and beautiful craftsmanship should come with the cost. But when it's just marketing, Mm -hmm. that's really where things that are necessities, things that are consumables, things that aren't a true luxury, right? I feel like it's wrong. And, yep. and it's more deceptive to the end consumer. And it's already expensive to be a woman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we already have like 13 times more things that we have to have. They shouldn't be overpriced. Yes.
1: Yeah. And and we're doing it with, you know, a, a smaller percentage of our income. Exactly. And it is, you know, I mean, it, it's the cost of getting a haircut, the cost of dry cleaning a shirt. For sure. The cost of apparel, the cost of cosmetics. Yep. And, and I see it really... It's blatant at the drugstore. For sure. You know, that's where we see it the most. The CVS, the Walgreens, going in there and you see earplugs, $2 more for the women's purple ones.
0: Yeah, for the purple ones. (laughs) For the purple ones. And it's like, are they different? (laughs) Are they different? No, they're the same company. You turn them over, it's the exact same product, just a different package.
1: And I think that's really where, like, first things first, like... That shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed. Right. It's deceptive to the consumer. And by talking about it all year. Correct. More people can really make that conscious decision to do the research mm-hmm. or just
0: buy the blue ones. I know. This is how we fell in love with this topic. We were talking to a friend of ours and we were educating them. And I think maybe it's a generational thing. We're the same generation. I grew up like never buy the, the girl's razor. It never made sense to me. My mom, My dad even said like, why would you buy something to put on your leg that was made versus something that was made to put on my face? It's going to be better. It's going to be more sensitive. Also the triple blade, they never make those for women. And so it's a closer shave. So, and when you look at them, you're like, they're $4 less and they last longer. And that's where I think both of us were trying to educate our colleague around, hey, this is a topic that should be discussed all year long because the Consumer Reports They did a study, and you see this happening more and more. The cost may go up to fifty percent more than for similar products. To your point, the drugstore, and I think we think about our society. The drugstore is kind of like the even playing field. Everyone Mm -hmm. goes to it. Everyone goes to their local CVS, whatever it is, and then you go there and you see all social economic situations happening. So it's super impactful when you see women who are perhaps challenged to make meat, but then they're going there and they're paying $7.49 for body watch that a man is paying $5.49 for.
1: That's I mean, just, if the fragrance is, you know, that much
0: better. Then maybe, she, perhaps, maybe but it's I, don't <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know.
1: I don't think it is. It's not. Yeah, it is one of those things where, again, like when I come into luxury, I don't feel like it's necessarily taking advantage of a consumer. Agreed. It is a blatant luxury purchase. But when you go into a lot of these other merchandise categories I really see it predatory mm-hmm. to a lower socioeconomic agreed community yeah and it's I just feel that it's completely taking advantage and I think that the drugstores and the retailers should definitely push back yep to really solve that I'm not a big fan of pink washing in general I love it can you explain what
0: that is to people
1: yeah, I mean, just my personal stories. you know, I grew up as a tomboy. I didn't like pink my entire life. I didn't want anything to do with pink. Yeah.
0: I have on an all pink dress for people who can't. <laughs> I'm very pink. No, i just kidding. Go ahead. Which I think we can unpack a whole bunch of other yes. stuff with that. Of yes.
1: Growing up with, you know, like the baby boomers. Yes. And like yes. talking about that whole tomboy situation. Yes. But I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. And so if I wanted any athletic gear. It was pink. It was pink. Yeah. And it made me stand out like I was a girl. Yeah. And I was less than. And it made me feel that way. And that like I couldn't have what everybody else had. Yeah. Because most of the players were boys. Yeah. And so and that's even today as an adult, you know, buying a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. It's always pink accent. Something. Something's Something pink. Something is pink. I started snowboarding really early as a girl. And I only had options of like four shades of pink for boots. Ugh. And it's just like. We don't need to have all of this pink. It's great. Now I find it much more empowering than I did in previous years, but it all comes with an additional price tag as well. Exactly. And that's kind of, you know, as I'm in commerce and retail, I just start seeing how much things cost, see how much they go to market for, Mm -hmm. see, be part of the marketing process. Mm -hmm. The margins are so much higher. Yeah. And some of it just kind of makes me cringe. Yeah.
0: Yep. I mean, my daughter is seven and she's not a girly girl or a tomboy. I will say that that gives me hope for their future generations that they really can they can kind of transverse both. Mm -hmm. You know, she is obsessed with perfume, so she (laughs) loves perfume and she loves the scent. Very clean scent. But she is a fencer. And Mm -hmm. I noticed in fencing, you know, it's usually all white. So you can't even tell the gender. They all kind of look the same. But I bought her fencing shoes. And they were pink. They were all white with a pink trim. And a boy in her class, who we know, we love him, same shoe, same size, all white with a blue trim. And to your point, why do we have to have that pink on?
1: Right, just make it silver trim. I mean,
0: everything they have on, exactly, is <laughs> white. white. Everything is white and venting, <laughs> And then she has this little pink. And listen, I think she loves it because she's yes. very cute. She wears very bright colored socks, not always pink, sometimes purple, sometimes neon. She, you know, she likes a, a hint of color. Mm-hmm. But what's the pink? And I wanted to ask his dad, like, how much were those shoes? Were they, they probably 5 or $6 cheaper for no reason. And I think it goes to your point. We introduced this early in their lives, so they don't think it's anything wrong with it. And that's why the discussion around it is even more impactful because you have to start to notice that because at one point I worry for her, why don't, because we're going to make sure she's prepared. But you know, this is not just happening in drugstores, as you mentioned, it happens when you go look for your first car or as if you, if it's an independent woman, I bought my first house by myself and the negotiation process I at some point had to bring in my father, which if you think about it, that's really archaic. You know, there was not too long ago, less than 100 years ago in our country, women couldn't buy houses by them without a man. We're talking like 60 years. Right. So the pink tax is just an articulation of this like systemic challenge or issue that we have in society around independent women and independence, right? So I think the discussion that you and we'll get back into specifically, like I love your perspective around goods coming in from other countries and how that happens. But for me, the discussion around Pink taxes is the foundational discussion, because if we don't change it at that level, we'll continue to go back to 60 years where you have to have your husband or your father sign something to make sure you legitimately can afford it. We're making more and more money every year. Women are doing it for themselves. And so this is just the last, I feel one of the last pieces of our societal structure that continues to prohibit us to move at a pace forward quickly for us. So anyway, that's my little speech about that. I would like for you, if you could explain a little bit this idea, because I think it ties into the conversation around tariffs, this idea around. So pink tax is something that is hard to identify because you just, you know, you see it, but there's no system. Tampon tax is slightly different because you can actually track. Well, it goes back to the government.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, pink tax isn't a technical tax. Right. It is an additional cost Mm -hmm. that the companies make money off
0: of. Correct.
1: It's not a, a formal tax, but tampon tax is
0: a formal tax. Which to me is a little bit more dire. It's a little Tampons harder to, to get a luxury tax,
1: I know. which I don't know. Like I mean, thought ask it was any a luxury? woman. I know.
0: <laughs> ask any person who has to use them. Is it a luxury? It's no. not a luxury. No. It's a necessity. <laughs> it's an essential necessity.
1: And more states are. I mean, I think we have thirty-five states. Yeah, or thirty
0: states. Thirty states. Yeah, thirty
1: states that have gotten rid of the tampon tax. Hooray! But, I mean, just for the size of it. I think New York, when they got rid of the tampon tax, it was a fourteen million dollar deficit. Yeah in receipts for tax. And then I think California, 55 million, 53 million. Yeah, that's insane. Insane. Yeah. Like it's not a small number when we're talking about, you know, $2.79. Right. When you've got half the population. Yeah.
0: Doing this every month. It's like a built in. It's like every month for at least 30, 40 years. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's illegal that it was able to even exist because it's a built in market. It's a necessity. It's, to your point, it's not a luxury. I call it, you know, the fact that we have to use it should be discounted. It should be like this is something, it's an essential part of hygiene. And for your own, like, peace of mind, like, it should not ever be cost prohibitive. It should And there should be access. <laughs> 100%. And, and there's a huge access issue. Huge access um, issue.
1: I mean, I think one of the, the largest asks from like a lot of centers and like homeless shelters high, is personal hygiene products, personal for, hygiene women. products
0: yeah. for women yeah because it's you know we say it's a tampon tax but it's not just a tampon tax we don't need shoes it's it's every <laughs> we don't need shoes but it's everything around personal hygiene and just to make sure they feel respected the worst thing that can happen and you know this sometimes can start earlier you can start at eight years old nine years old ten years old and go all the way to 50 years old so that's a built-in Lifetime, monthly, it's like taxes. It's going to happen every month unless you're pregnant. And even then you have different issues, different needs that you need to fulfill. And the prices should never, it should be almost like free for everyone. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that there should be some types of subsidization for like- specific income brackets. I don't think there should be sales tax on it. There definitely shouldn't be. an additional tampon tax on top of it. These types of things, they shouldn't exist anymore. Should not. And it's it, but it is they do account for a pretty significant budget of taxes for yeah. some of these states. And the
0: government right and they want it. Else. They want it. I want you to quickly talk about cuz we're going to continue to yeah. at the end of it talk about solutions, right? Because this is mm-hmm. the point of this podcast is to lay it out. Like, honest, raw, this is what it is. But there are solutions to everything. But I definitely, you were mentioning before that we started that there, you know, the tar, like the tariff tax or the tariff that, that people have to pay when yeah. they get. Talk a little bit about that, because I think that's an interesting point.
1: So so I come, you know, most of my experience is in apparel. And there is a harmonized tax schedule. And that is gender based. Mm. And so at the very break, the cost of goods sold for women's apparel versus men's apparel no matter what it is through production at the end of production cost as soon as it's imported into the US it has incurred additional fees yeah by being women's period that's
0: insane to me
1: and so it's <laughs> you know women's apparel is, is taxed at like maybe like 15.1% while men's is taxed at 11.9 so that needs to pass to the consumer at the right at the checkout stand right so at the end of the day, yes, I can see the validation at the counter, but I don't see the validation for this being taxed differently yeah. in the first place at import. So I mean, ninety eight percent of our products are imported. Yep. So as soon as they hit the U.S., we'll hit a break. Yep. Whether or not how high that is, you know, they add on to it just for it being you know branded for a woman or whatnot because the market we got used to it and we were paying it and our parents were paying it. So I think. At the very core, you know, that tariff system definitely needs to change. A shirt is a shirt. A shoe is a shoe. Exactly. Especially for importing boxes. Exactly. And containers. Exactly. You know, whether or not there's additional design aspects that go into it, whether or not there's additional cost and in, in ingredients. Yep. Because it's specifically made for a woman. Yeah. If there's clinical trials that are going into products, you know, being able to start having more of those pieces of women's health and the the technology or the research being done to support a validated product for women versus men. Agreed. I'm okay with that. Yep. But just for marketing. No. And listen, this is coming
0: from two at our core marketers. Like we love marketing. I mean, I love the science behind marketing. We're not trying to beat up on marketers. What we're saying is at some point that it's priced. Mm -hmm. Then there's a cost, there's a retail value. And it should be consistent, regard especially as we're moving into a world where there's more unisex clothing. More, it should not. There's not going to hopefully be a rationale for why you need to have this markup to fifteen percent versus eleven percent. And to your point, as it comes into shore, if we can cut it off there, then the markup is the markup to the entire population. Exactly. That's what we're really trying to. Like the inequality exists when it's doesn't make sense. You want to mark it up. You want to, listen, we're all about, we understand how commerce works. If you want to mark it up, mark it up. Just fairly mark it up across the board.
1: And don't deceive consumers in doing so. Correct. And I think that that's, I mean, it's expensive enough to live as like a single household. And yep. I think we have more single households now than we've ever. ever had. And, you know, we're coming in and out. We've got a lot of people who are unemployed, a lot of career changes and, The cost of living is just higher. Yep. And I think that there's a sense of duty that a lot of these companies should have on how do you earn brand loyalty Mm -hmm. by running an ethical business and providing that extra to the customer. I don't see, I mean, I I feel like our younger generations are coming in and they're calling this out. Yeah.
0: They're not standing. It's right next to sustainability. They want to know your ethical approaches to our business. I mean, I feel like what we should be rallying against is having a list of companies that are not doing this ethically, who we know are indulging in the tax. And they're indulging in this kind of discrepancy of male and female pricing. I feel like, especially the younger generations, they will boycott those companies.
1: They will. And they they won't buy them. No. And they're very astute. And they're, they understand that there's no difference between these two products. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need to stop buying certain products. Yep. And... And hold to that. If they're not making money, right. they're going to have to merge or go away. Exactly. I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, this is an unpaid plug, but like <laughs> Billy Razors. Yeah. I'm a big fan of theirs. Really reasonable cost. Yep. They're never late. Subscription based, which Subscription we love. Based Convenient. And they work great. And they also do like a pink tax rebate and they I talk love that. about pink tax. And that was part of why they, they wanted to come into the market and I thought it was great and I wanted to support it.
0: Yep. And the product is great. So it it's doesn't great. feel bad, right? It's not like, no, yeah,
1: I, just like you. I mean, I moved to men's razors. Yeah. Right. I was like, like I can't do it they're anymore. Way better.
0: They're way better and they're cheaper. <laughs> and you know, they, the thing to me is that they lasted longer. Like yeah. that was just like that insane thing to me. You could have, a men's razor that you just change the blade on every now and then that set that you bought for $13 could last the whole year. Yeah. That was insane to me. That's when I was like, I was not only irritated, I was disgusted by the industry, you know? I mean, we
1: have the purchasing power
0: today. That's what, that's a great segue into the solution. Yeah. We, first of all, we make, I mean, I mean, I don't want to get the economics of like we make less. So like if we had to like look at our daily items and costs and basically the fact that, you know, we pay we throw out a lot of statistics, but we pay about 42 percent more over like common goods. So if you analyze that's like thirteen hundred dollars a year that women pay more for things and that in itself. Coupled with the fact that women live longer than men, it's just not right because we need the money. We, we're going to be here longer, but I think what you were saying earlier is a great segue. Is, is in what can we do, right? So we've mm-hmm. talked a lot, I think, about suggestions for companies auditing how you what are your costs of goods, how are you going to market? Is this a legit market for women? Is it is there a different ingredient that costs more? Because you and I, we are all about commerce. We're trying to support companies. I worked for a CPG company before this. And legitimately, sometimes the ingredient that was used in, you know, the formula that made the shampoo was more expensive. So that had to be priced higher and it was a woman's shampoo. So it was marketed differently. We're not talking about that. That makes sense. But if you are a company and you know you're doing this, our suggestion is, definitely get it together because we're going to call you out at some point. For sure. But if you're a consumer, what are some of the things that you think Casey people can do to combat it, even on their small scale? And then we can talk maybe large scale. I mean, just do an audit, like walk around your house, yeah. walk through the
1: bathroom, open up the medicine cabinet and see if you've almost like fell for it, right? Like, yeah. Are has it happened to you? Are you buying something that literally doesn't need to be that brand or is it a culprit yeah and then go ahead and find an alternative yeah right i mean i think we all did that with
0: food during COVID for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> like did i need that nice again i love it but that nice Aesop shampoo no we had to look at other things <laughs> it was COVID. yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean
1: looking at the generics looking mm-hmm. at like Branded, you know, brand-less yes, types of products. Exactly, brand Things that are more unisex and supporting things that we feel are better. Yeah. More sustainable products. Yeah. More naturally made products. It all kind of goes into that same vein yep. of being a conscious consumer. And as we start spending our money differently and we're more aware of the things that we are buying that might be a culprit of that, the companies will be forced to change. Yep. It's never going to be an overnight thing. For sure. I'm definitely... You know, an advocate over this whole important tariff tax, I think it's completely wrong. And I think that if the government could go ahead and, you know, make some additional changes there, it would have a larger trickle down effect. But we just kind of have to be vocal and we have to talk about it all year. Yeah. Not just, you know, once a month, every year and not just the month of March and, and actually just really pull it in. So make sure that like men are also our greatest advocates. Agreed. And, I mean, I see them on Twitter. I see them on TikTok. Like, they're calling it out. That's great. And they're saying, like, what do you pay for? Like, I've seen a couple guys on TikTok just saying, like, I pay this much for a haircut. How much do you pay? Oh, my gosh. I pay this much for this. How much do you pay? And the guys are just, like, literally throwing it out there saying, this is insane. You pay $300 more than I do?
0: I mean, yeah, we do. Yeah, we like, do. It cost me like $800 we, to walk into a And salon. we're <laughs> in there longer than you. We're in the, in the shower. Yeah. You're in and out. And we're there longer. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, stuff with the pretty bottles. I'm guilty of that. Like, I would always pay extra for the pretty branding. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. Nope.
0: I'm all about ingredients. Yep. If you love sustainability, then you pour it into your pretty bottle, too. That's the thing that I love. Like, Mm -hmm. I buy gender-neutral things. We have two genders in our homes. I buy gender-neutral things that we all can use. But we all have different bottles that I pour it into. So I think that, like, just being creative around, first of all, it's better for the world if you're not using so much plastic all the time. So buy the big group of gender-neutral shampoo, lotion, whatever, unless you have specific issues or challenges. And then just, you know, have your, I take a personal stand every day. Every time we use it, I'm like, because it looks different, but it's the same stuff and it's the right price. I also think you're right. Do an audit. And then when you go back to the drugstore or whatever store, do a price comparison. Just do it. Because I think you'll be amazed. Most people are shocked when they actually take the two razors or take the two shampoos by the same company and it's like $10 difference. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. I mean, it can be very significant. Sometimes it's only 50 cents, but that 50 cents... Adds up. Completely adds up. For the company. And then I think you're right. If you can, if you want to do something on a larger scale talk to your state representatives. Mm-hmm. You know, that tax, we talked about the tampon tax, that was a large amount of money that that state didn't get. And obviously the person doing the budget for the state is concerned, but they need to understand the philosophy around why you shouldn't do that. And I think if you can state with them that, hey, we're not, it's unethical, we're not willing to pay for these enhanced prices, then the dialogue changes versus just girls against boys. It's like, yeah. this is unethical. This is what it does to our communities. This is what it does to lower income families. This is an issue that you think that you're solving one thing, but you're creating an issue over here. And we're all connected. that's one place where
1: we can't, you know, speak with our dollar.
0: Exactly. we have to buy them. We have to buy them.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, it's going to mean that, you know, people need to speak up. Yeah. Because there's no way to just stop purchasing.
0: Agreed. There's no way. <laughs> there's, there's no, no way. way. <laughs> we tried it. We, it was called COVID. But then we all figured out other things. I mean, Amazon figured it out within three months. Remember, they were like... Amazon's completely sold out. And then like all of a sudden they figured out how to get it done. So we were right. We're never going to stop purchasing. Casey, this was so great. Time goes so fast. We've been talking for 30 minutes. It's like super, super quick. I know. But thank you for joining. Is there anything that you want to say that we didn't get to say any lasting words,
1: lasting words? I would say we have been shopping with some of the same conglomerates for multiple generations. We will grab something in the aisle just out of habit because it's been in our household for since our parents bought it and we're used to the box.
0: The nostalgia.
1: The nostalgia. I would challenge everybody to try and find one new emerging brand Mm -hmm. that you can really relate to and that you believe in and start moving over from maybe some of these large conglomerates to support brands that you really care about. More independent. That are building the type of companies that we want and spend a little bit of time doing some research to find out who they are and and swap a product out every once in a while.
0: Yeah, we're going to have a glass of wine. We'll talk about some of those brands and we'll post them so people can get awesome. some of Casey's recommendations. Casey, where can people find you?
1: You can find us at, you can always find me on Twitter. Yeah, What's <laughs> your handle? Luxlock, L-U-X L-O-C-K, but also you can find us essentially anywhere on social media or our website at L-U-X L-O-C-K. We have a group of brands that use our software on our website website and you can go ahead and peruse through over 50 brands that will provide you live styling services or being able to shop with an ex and go from there
0: perfect thank you thanks so much for joining and uh, we'll see you guys later hi it's joy altamara here host of what the Hell. thank you for listening this week we hope you enjoyed it we hope you like what you heard and you subscribe spread the word and give us a good rating on apple spotify or whatever you're listening to You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel for video of every episode plus lots of other useful content. For more information about what EHE Health and Preventive Health are all about, visit us at ehe.health. Until next time, what the health?